0: Welcome to Sounding Point Podcast. My name is Joseph Christensen, and with me today is Thomas Yee. He's an alumnus of San Francisco Conservatory of Music and the founder of Bay Fine Strings. Thank you so much, Thomas, for coming on to the podcast.
1: It's a pleasure to uh, share the podcast with you today,
0: for sure. Well, it's an honor to have you on. and So, I thought today it would be really helpful for... A lot of musicians today where we're trying to um, kind of figure out how to deal with this pandemic in many ways and it's been difficult with the cancellation of most live performance for musicians to um, make their sort of activities not only relevant but kind of uh, financially sustainable in the midst of this time and I thought you were in particular a great person to talk to because you've in the last four years, your business has gone from uh, renting instruments to brokering Guarneri's and Gagliano's and your, your rise has been incredible with Bay Fine Strings and it's been great working with, the, with you and the company as well. So anyway, I just wanted to maybe start out um, asking you how uh, just about the origin. So where would you say the origins are of Bay Fine Strings?
1: Well, I, I started uh, Bay Fine Strings when I had my uh, daughter when she was born. Uh, I had a lot of time to think about things. I was up all night uh, for uh, countless months, <laughs> and uh, I, it gave me a lot of things to think about and, and just knowing that it was uh, a, a decision I'd been thinking about for a long time. Uh, when I was uh, a youngster, I always was very interested in uh trading so I did a lot of trading cards and like trading of marbles and like doing other things uh in that kind of sort of way and then I as I uh continued my violin studies I've always had that uh great interest in in trading uh and so uh I, I know that my my mothers would say oh you have a great business sense and you always make others uh, feel good uh, about what, uh, like feel good about what they um, had traded for, and um, I've always uh, tried to think about both sides, like oh, how it would help somebody else, and I think that those early uh, types of passions I, I had for kind of trading um, never really always directly translated to playing violin, but it I, I feel like uh, through the violin and through that, my passion for that, I was able to find a, uh, a calling. And so I, uh, went on to uh, music school at the Conservatory of Music in San Francisco, uh, where we're both alumnus of. And, um, and I started out my career as a violinist and uh, pedagogue, which I still, um, actively do. And, um, I so so just to kind of fast forward uh I decided to found uh to create Bay Fine Strings because I I saw a, a need uh for that in the community and um it was something I'd been passionate about and um as a teacher uh in a violin I noticed that uh some students uh, in different in, uh, in different learning environments uh needed to have uh something that an instrument that's well set up, uh, no matter what the size is. And uh, other violin shops also offer, you know, a a well set up instrument. But, you know, also um, I wanted to uh, have present something uh, of um, my own standards and to present to the community. So that really uh, was kind of one of the driving forces behind that. And I had always been interested in uh, uh, having things created and um, about uh four years prior to like uh this was back in 2012 i um commissioned my first instrument uh it was a violin bow by uh, a good friend of mine now uh who is uh robert morrow he's a maker based out in port townsend in washington and that area is really known well for uh bow making and um that whole process was, uh, very fascinating for me and kind of led me down the, the rabbit hole to, uh, also working with, uh, world-class, uh, living makers, which now I'm working with, uh, dozens of makers, uh, both, uh, in violins, violas, cellos, as well as their bows. So, um, it kind of, uh, with that collaboration, I started to, uh, market their work and, uh, and trade in antiques and, um, and just really try to listen to uh, what others were are, are really truly looking for and either dictating whether or not it was it, with a conversation with, with clients, what they're looking for. So I, I felt that I've tried to fulfill uh, a lot of needs based on what others tell me.
0: Interesting. Yeah. I think it's really cool... Um... You know, visiting your shop and trying out the instruments, just the the volume of instruments you've commissioned and the relationships you do have with living makers as well as antiques. I was curious, just as you're talking about the beginning of the business, just you know, assuming a lot of the musicians and maybe a lot of the people listening right now are in various stages of maybe trying to be an entrepreneur themselves, start a side hustle of some kind. I'm curious when you started Bay Fine Strings, did you see How clearly did you see this picture today? Are you... That's a good question. Were you envisioning exactly what you have now or did it change as you went?
1: Well, let's see. I mean, that's, that's a good question because I think that when you're passionate about something, you have to kind of work towards the... Not like an end goal per se, but it's just that whole process. It's just like when we learn first learn music. Uh, you just learn music to learn music. Maybe we liked the sound of a particular instrument or something like that. I've uh, I started Bay fine strings with the intent of uh, not not necessarily with the intent for profit, but more of the intent for uh, helping the community and um, uh, expanding my my great interest um, uh, regarding that. And so. Um, it's like that with I feel like with a lot of uh, folks growing up uh, learning music and so it was really that kind of thing that, that drove me and um, I would say that uh, I've put in countless hours um, I wouldn't say it's a side hustle for me I think it's more of <laughs> a, a passion and um, and uh, when you work at something when you truly work at something I think it it really uh, provides can uh, you can see things grow from there. Mm-hmm. And um, I found that um, starting my own uh, type of uh, venture, uh, whether it's a business, whether it's uh, a music project, whether it's something else, um, I think that's all worth it. And I felt like also um, taking auditions, for example, uh, w- playing and, and practicing for that, You do learn a lot of things, but at the end, if you don't get the job, it it can be uh, a bit quite disheartening, of course. So we've all have been through that, even in like, just through, you know, even uh, academics, you know,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) testing and whatnot. So that's just a part of life. Um, But I've always felt like with working on my own ventures that um, as I build towards it, there's there's all to gain and nothing to lose. So, yeah. Um, and also, I mean, in auditions, it's, it should be that way too. It should feel like, oh, it's a process, anyways. But, mm-hmm. um, so I felt like the more I've put into uh, Bay Fine Strings, I've uh, gotten um, the support back. And so I think that 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 it was something that was a, a, or a revelation, or Reve- <laughs> revelation, revelation,
0: revelation. That's uh, the <laughs> a revelation. Yeah.
1: So, yeah
0: yeah the um when you go into your uh, workshop, you uh, see a bunch of obviously cases and violins and stuff. but you also see a uh, a large number of tomes of uh, fantastical collections of uh, <laughs> of, of basically catalog yeah, one main thing that, one big thing that fascinates
1: me with uh, with uh, running a shop and visiting with um, other uh, dealers and other uh, luthiers. I find that for myself uh it was founding bay fine strings was a a continuation of um my own search for great tone you know and that was uh and my own voice and so um i even prior to to finding founding the shop i i had visited many different shops and and tried to learn about you know finding my own voice and um through that whole process, uh, I gained a lot of insight and, um, and I've started to use that. Uh, I, well, now I use that insight, um, on a very broad scale, uh, and, and that, that, experience, um, to help others. And right. Yeah. Not only those in the trade, but those, uh, that are musicians and that are connoisseurs and, um, right. uh, of, of, uh, instruments as well. So I, I work with Absolutely. students, uh, that are just starting out with an entry level instrument to you know uh, priceless antiques and top contemporary makers. So,
0: right. Uh, yeah, and yeah. you you have this uh, great collection of uh, books and uh, kind of like um, kind <laughs> yeah. of uh, yeah. connoisseur uh, connoisseur uh, uh, reading material and not I mean just collections of pictures and it's really cool to see how like it's clear. How much you love it that you're oh yeah if you come it. over
1: you can always i am always happy to to uh impart uh what i know about things mm-hmm. i think that's being transparent about that's very important and um and having accountability for that and um, those are things that i've learned as well uh as uh w- when i first started i i felt like that there's things I learned um, and some hard lessons and I, I have learned from that and have uh, tried to adapt to um, those things that I've learned. So uh, there's never a smooth road. <laughs> right. So, uh, but you, t- I, I've, I've taken um, advice and I've taken uh, what others have told me uh, to heart and I would try to change and adapt. And it's, it's like that for any type of relationship too. Um mm. And I feel like it's like that. So, I, I I've I've found that I've been philosophical about a lot of uh, a lot of aspects of uh, what I do. So,
0: good. Yeah. There. If someone is starting, if someone sees your story and is curious, maybe because I, I definitely relate very strongly with the idea of when you have your own project, when you have your own brand or whatever you want to call it there's more impetus in a way to follow it because there's no gatekeeper it seems kind of obvious but in to musicians any kind of performing art there's this inherent aspect of it where you are sort of looking for acceptance <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where we're well, going I mean, to learn great masters,
1: and yeah i mean there's so many aspects to the music industry it's like limitless and what we do, what we do is, I mean, when we go to conservatory, now things are changing. I mean, I see a lot of things changing, even uh, with initiatives at the uh, our, our alma mater, right? And mm-hmm. um, things are changing. And so yeah, uh, the 21st century musician is, uh, is adapting. And so finding uh, a vocation that... Um, can uh, enhance a, a number of different things in our life, I think is is, is necessary uh, with all b- based on the fundamentals of uh, knowing what we're doing <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, and trying to put that into practice
0: so yeah right, hundred percent. And I think it's um, it's inspirational because when you're going into conservatory, when you're going into an orchestra audition, when you're doing any, any things these things which are great and we we need them, but it's also, no matter how many orchestra auditions there are, there's not enough, right? To mm-hmm. fulfill the number of people in graduating conservatory every year. In fact, it's an extremely small number of jobs that open up per um, per orchestrally trained musician. So then we have to answer to ourselves, what are we going to do? Are we going to focus all our time on our auditions? Are we going to split our time? Are we going to spend time actually Doing something of our own, putting our own stamp and, on the yeah, world.
1: and it's very interesting that you say that. it's, it's the um, you see uh, w- different musicians doing different things that that happen naturally for them. I mean, you, we can uh, look at uh, an example of our uh, our uh, uh, teacher, uh, influential teacher in our uh, in our. Uh, Earlier years, uh, Nina Bodnar, uh, she mm-hmm. came back to um, a community that was uh, where she had um, grown grown up and uh, influenced that community greatly uh-huh. uh, by uh, teaching and uh, mentoring uh, young kids. And that was uh, invaluable. And we're both indebted to that. We're both uh, a product of that. So, mm-hmm. um and she started something along with uh, with her. It was uh, there was a, a music and arts conservatory in Santa Barbara. It was founded by her mother and uh, Lana Bodnar, and she and they together they uh, created a community. And so that's you know nowadays we're kind of the modern torchbearers of community in in our own areas. So I think uh, that is something that is. Um, is, is necessary. the The orchestras are vital. the The schools, or even um, um, in education, um, those things are vital. Um, public school education, private education, um, performance, and uh, nowadays uh, uh, multimedia. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, being uh, online podcasts. I think it's it's great to to inform and and to discuss uh, some. Uh, deep subjects uh, in regards to the uh, to the music industry mm-hmm. um, and recording. So there's a lot of uh, things that that um, one does, and and even the the uh, the modern day professional musician uh, uh, that's out and performing. Uh, if we look at, for example, um, Augustin Hodelic or Ray Chen, they're doing a lot of their own things as well, in addition mm-hmm. to uh, their their main gig as playing with, yep. uh, as soloists with orchestras. Yep. So, I mean, they're doing a lot of different initiatives. We see that that happening or uh, Nicola Benedetti who has started a, uh, a foundation, um, that, that mentors and fosters, uh, an El Sistema type of program in, um, in the UK. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's lots of, uh, different things that, that, uh, we're all doing. And I think that's uh, a great thing for um, promoting and for enriching the community for what we do and, and seeing the value of having music in uh, a, a community's life. It's not just, yeah. only kids these days. I mean, I, I know there's a, um, a lot of intrigue for adults wanting to play music as well. Yeah. Um, even from never having learned before. And, yeah. Uh, maybe no, now they're seeing things on social media. It's in their feeds. I don't know, but that's it's it's uh, interesting to see that.
0: Yeah. No, it's really cool. I've I've had the opportunity to work with more adult students in the last okay. few years um, in my own teaching practice, and um, it's been really cool. I love relating. I mean, it's funny how teaching children and adults is different. Your yeah, I mean, how,
1: how, are days, how are days um are you uh, kind of approaching that because now we're all uh, doing most of our teaching by video conference, and so I'm sure yeah. you're doing different different types of uh, setups and and whatnot and
0: right yeah, so I'm teaching um I'm teaching mostly over String Masters, which is Jeremy Cohen's and um and. Oh, yeah, the great team, platform. the team at String Masters that they're um, they're using. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of a platform designed specifically for teaching string lessons. So there's folders and different kinds of media that you can access within the lessons, and yeah. it's, it's nice. Um, and I I'll also teach on Zoom, and um, and I think uh, I like using String Masters, especially for the adult students, because then they can record the lessons easily they have access oh, okay. to them you can yeah. they they have you can put notes in the part like live in the in the session that's, so
1: that's a nice that's a nice aspect i mean it's like yeah. doing uh, i guess uh video conference teaching piecemeal it's possible um but it's yeah it can be uh unless one is tech savvy and knows all of those different things how to use multiple devices with being logged onto one <laughs> yeah. account, for example. Yeah. I, I yeah. can see how it, it gets uh, a little confusing and, uh, yeah, yeah. I've used a lot of video actually, uh, with, with my, my uh, teaching, I'll, I'll use uh, my phone and just set it up on a stand, plug in, uh, a higher quality recording mic. It's still not as ideal as putting it through, uh, an audio interface with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some high-end mics that, that yeah. are in my uh, my studio but I uh, I still think being able to do that quickly on the fly and just being able to, to throw it up on my video conference platform mm-hmm. I can do it within um, I mean I just record it up and it uploads straight to their feed basically mm-hmm. and it's it's uh, worked great um, but you know that's uh uh, I, I felt that, that the little miniature video tutorials have really helped, uh, enhance what I cool. do, um, in, in, uh, online teaching. And uh, so are you, are you, are you doing video tutorials, button, but it's, it's a uh, actual yeah. separate video. So it just shows myself and not both sides. Like we're probably doing right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. W- w- so where are you doing the video? T- are you just making tutorials for your students and uh, sharing it to them via Drive? Or how are you doing that?
1: Oh, no, I'm uploading it straight. Th- so like I, I will um, not not all uh, online platforms have a upload feature into a yeah. chat. But yeah. I know Skype does. I think WhatsApp might have that feature. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I just go to my phone and, as an attachment you have to make sure if you're on logged on to, or if you're on Wi-Fi, or if you have yeah. unlimited data, then it's not, not a problem. You could just put it up on there. So um, I found that uh, it's a lot faster than loading something up on a drive. That takes a little more time. Like while they're okay. playing, I'm like, if you're looking at your phone, you can't really.
0: Oh, I see.
1: But if you can just like click, click, click it and it sends. Mm-hmm. And then up while they're playing, while I've, we've moved on, it loads, I can get like five or six videos in one uh, session and I uh, I'll record it in front of them so they can see it and they have their music in front of them. So yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a, a creative way of, of sharing something and it's tailored specifically for them. So, um, so are I you have, uh, hundreds of videos yeah. uh, now um, just that I haven't, put up maybe I should put them up on a, on yeah. a site. It might something.
0: be useful but, to yeah. to compile them in a way. So you're you're doing personalized videos. So are you just demonstrating sorry it's music teacher talk. <laughs> are you yeah, just demonstrating good, yeah. um like concepts to them like you would ordinarily in a lesson? Yes. And then Yeah you probably
1: have seen like the this great series with Augustine for example. Yeah where he he describes you know certain aspects. I would say it's something similar to that um, tailored to whatever specific thing it is, whether it's vibrato, whether it's a specific shift, a change of the finger, Mm -hmm. uh, something with the bow hold, something with the posture or just a demonstration or a tutorial about, you know, the the actual music at hand or a demonstration, like a performance. So actually I feel like it's kept me, uh, you know, in shape because, if I am recording, you know, the A-tunes yeah. live for students, I'm holding myself accountable as a musician uh, yeah. every day, <laughs> which is, you know, it's a good cool. thing. Yeah.
0: That was... So, um...
1: It's made me feel a lot less afraid of recording because I'm doing it every day. And uh, that's interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's been a new thing. And now it's just like I, I feel like with recording, I'm fearless about that, so... I've used to be very self-conscious about it. Yeah. Oh, I have to, I have to do the take, you know, like if, if we go into the studio and you're paying the big bucks, Mm -hmm. you can feel more at, you know, uh, I don't know, at least for myself, like I couldn't really get, get over that. You know,
0: it's like, Oh yeah, you're, you're,
1: you're, you're, uh, yeah, paying by the minute you know <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah each take uh, wasted yeah. you're like feeling the dollars slip away
1: <laughs> but yeah of course you're not thinking about that but at the same time yeah yeah sometimes uh, it's hard to always put yourself in certain mindsets of
0: course mm-hmm. <laughs> but, sure yeah. But anyway, that's really cool I like that approach of um, of creating content within the lessons I'll think about that it's a, it's a good idea um, it's
1: just a, another way of communication because I mean the uh, video conferencing is a means to an end. It's to educate and mm-hmm. you know, pass on your knowledge of of you know being a master of your subject, which is violin uh, mm-hmm. in our case. You know, and and for other other platforms as well. I mean, we see that happening for learning languages or or even just distance learning in public mm-hmm. school. But there's so yeah. many different. I think there's a huge uh gap in how one communicates on this kind of platform um, mm-hmm. and one that that knows more can be more successful and and uh perhaps have uh retention mm-hmm. uh, I think one always has to kind of continue to innovate in that 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 way too so it kind of goes back to kind of what I was talking about with um being passionate mm. have to be passionate about what we do so uh, being yeah. seriously interested in um, learning more about the online platform and mm-hmm. how we video conference is also uh, something that we have to uh, continue to get, be an expert at. So,
0: right. Yeah. So
1: we can't just kind of, uh, okay, this is enough. And then, oh, when are we going to go back? Because will we go back? Maybe. I've just recently yeah. had somebody ask about, you know, oh, when you go back or will you go back? You know, and so it's, I think there will be some folks that actually kind of like this platform. Yeah. And they might not have to, you know, get uh, get into the car and, and commute. So yep, yep. I think, you know, things, it, I, I think things will, it's changing a lot of things, but um, I think many are adapting or we have to adapt. Yeah.
0: Sure. yeah. I so. think it's probably, it's likely, at least the way I've been thinking of it, with my own teaching studio is um, eventually we're mostly going to go back to normal, hopefully um, within the next year, but that I'm assuming several people will want to maintain online lessons. A lot of, yeah, I mean, it's yeah, convenient. It's so. Yeah. Cause we never know, like, I mean,
1: wh- how much of the pandemic will be controlled. So we just have to kind of see, um, I find that now I I've been uh, linked uh, so much uh, to uh, a computer or a phone or to other things. It's like, wire us up, you know? <laughs> <But> <laughs> yeah, like,
0: I just watched that the yeah. other day. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. It's exactly. just like, uh, but, you know, we'll just have to kind of see, see how, how that goes. Um, I, I I kind of wish that, yeah, we can get back to the trajectory of, um, seeing others in person and, and also uh, playing music for others in person. Yeah. And there's no alternative to that, but um, yeah. I wonder if, if that will make uh, the, the public and the, the community at large more lazy, so to speak, mm-hmm. to get out or in, in fact, if they feel that they're safe to go out, that it will be supported even more that remains to be seen. So yeah, yeah. kind of, Yeah, we don't know.
0: How have you adjusted to the pandemic? How has your schedule and your business changed?
1: Uh, Well, um, I basically stopped doing for about a month, uh, two months, um, doing anything in person. And I was doing um, a lot of of curbside pickups for things um, at the time. And um, I... Fortunately, I um, had a lot of experience with video conferencing because I w- would be commuting uh, sometimes to Asia, uh, where I would still try to maintain my studio. So, and that's a little more difficult when you're like transcontinental
0: yeah. uh, with with connection. For if- example, yeah, but
1: yeah. Um, so I I was able to do that fairly, make the transition fairly easily, and talk to. Uh, the other side, you know, like my students and their, their families. Um, but in, in terms of like, yeah, the, the, the shop, um, I, I've found even now I I've worked a lot with, uh, communications, uh, via email or video conference, uh, as well as, um, doing a lot of, uh, shipping. I see. Yeah. So, uh, the, uh, Bay Fine Strings violin shop has, uh, a approval system, so you you're able to uh, ask about certain things that are listed on the website, mm-hmm. and uh, one is able to try them for a week uh, by signing out and filling out a form um, and showing their showing ID and um, and some other providing other information, uh, and they you one can try something uh, uh, without having to pay for it. And, yeah. uh, and the, the, uh, the string community, um, has developed into that way. Cause it's such a personal personalized thing, but with like other industries, it's not quite like that. It's kind of unique to this, yeah. this particular industry. It's like, if you wanted to try out a car for a week, they're not going to let you do that. Or even microphones like these days, like I've been right. uh, looking into investing and I have invested in, in uh, high end uh, pro audio mm-hmm. and you pretty much have to just buy them uh, right. and then return them. But um, with with an established shop, there's a, a rapport and they have an insurance policy that allows them to do business in this way. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, it's given uh, what I do an advantage in, in that regard um yeah it's for the premiums but that's that's fine insurance it's mm -hmm. um but it's it's uh really allowed me to um make you know customers and clients feel comfortable about what they're um, trying to find and so that that kind of uh end goal that's what's more important uh to me right Yeah.
0: yeah it's kind of funny it's um yeah, you' you there's not a lot of businesses that you can just walk out of a shop with a hundred thousand dollars merchandise and try it out for a week. Um, yeah. <laughs> but you know the uh, the system, I suppose, in the uh, uh, shops that deal in such fine instruments are um, kind of built to accommodate people who are l- looking for that. Right. N- yeah. Amazing level of instrument. Speaking of the audio. Um, yeah, tell me about. So this seems like a kind of direct um, response to the pandemic that I've noticed that you've done, which is that you're offering um, audio equipment. So tell me about that.
1: Oh uh, well, I'm not necessarily audi- offering audio equipment per se, but I'm um, in- investing in that uh, for um, demonstration purposes uh, to accurately portray instruments. Oh okay. Uh, for how they sound. Um, so I'm not. So trying- you're not. You're not renting it out. Uh, I'm uh, not. Well, I, I suppose I could. Uh, there's a collection <laughs> of microphones. Yeah, there's a collection of program. microphones. If you want to try some uh, Shure mics and uh, you know some uh, nice Sennheisers and yeah and, uh, some Earthworks and mm-hmm. uh, AEA mics. I misunderstood there, but <laughs> your, I have uh, this is
0: a condenser. <laughs> yes, exactly. Op-over. This is a <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is a road. Yeah, right TV. now I, I am plugged into a, a Blumline pair of uh, AEA uh, uh, N8 ribbon microphones.
0: Nice.
1: Uh, Sounds good. Really well, yeah, they they don't... For, for, for uh, bowed stringed instruments, I think it's quite nice um, when you are putting it straight into a, a nice audio interface. Mm-hmm. They're active mics. They work very well. Uh, the new technology for ribbons... Um, Ribbon mics are like a uh, uh, a certain type of microphone that that um, kind of helps uh, transient response uh, transient response kind of like uh, kind of like high pingy clear articulation mm-hmm. um, sounds articulated sounds and um, kind of softens them and so it makes that, it can make uh, a recorded response um, less tinny and more accurate. Nice. So it's like when you put—if you have like a really bad old uh, voice recorder and you yeah. you, you play it, you, you put it up close to a violin. It doesn't sound anywhere like how a real violin sounds. Yeah, it's because uh, that that dynamic microphone uh, just has a very uh, um, has a very high transient response, and that's pretty much right. all it takes. And just treble yeah. <laughs> without. Yeah. any so it, it, huh. it, it doesn't clearly uh, represent a uh, uh, the sound of uh, bowed string instruments, um, oh, I and so uh, only I, I found only pretty much uh, high end uh, pro audio can cl- clearly capture um, mm-hmm. the sound of uh, of that of a uh, bowed string instrument. It's I see. the way it the way it spreads the sound is is different than. Um, a flute or a trumpet or other instruments. So
0: interesting. So you're not uh, great
1: condensers and ribbon mics are what you'll want to look into. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's other, other uh, microphones that have polar patterns, different like Mm -hmm. uh, recording patterns that um, can uh, help with depending on the, the room you're in. So yeah, I've had to to learn a lot about that, about um, audio and, and recording and I think that that i've done i did uh, a lot of that earlier um in my in my career uh, in my twenties. I did a lot of recording uh, both for um different projects mm-hmm. uh, my own projects or um other like uh more like I did some recording for television projects and some other things so um but I'm kind of out of that industry uh, these mm-hmm. days um, but yeah.
0: So So you've been yeah. You've been investing in audio equipment and and the knowledge, mostly for um for recording samples of your instruments and Yes,
1: and and also now it's also enhancing what I do with uh video conference teaching. So I think it's yeah, kind of it makes sense. Yeah. I see. And so as as a performing artist, um I think it's important if you're wanting to record, if you have a room that's good enough. Mm-hmm. Um, it's worth it to look into uh, finding that setup uh, of course yeah a a good studio and a good audio engineer um, is that's vital um, and you can always work um, hand in hand with an audio engineer mm-hmm. uh, if you have a sound that you like and you have microphones that you like you can use that wherever you go for example
0: yeah and if you know
1: how you the, the if you know there's a certain sound that you like uh, that's kind of either colored or accurate mm-hmm. then it's good to go with that so I found that um, for myself having this they call it it for uh, audio engineers a mic locker <laughs> and so basically if you have uh, a collection of different things that uh, different tools that allow you to um, accurately portray uh, what you want recorded, I think is important.
0: Right, hmm, that's great. Yeah, it's yeah. cool seeing on your YouTube channel, um, which is what, by the way?
1: Yeah, oh, it's uh, Bay Fine Strings Violin Shop.
0: There we go, very nice. <laughs> and it has, it has uh,
1: demos of uh, violins, violas, and soon to be added cellos um, and, uh, and other tutorials. So I'm working on some tutorials for like how to change strings, uh, that's out already. How to tune will be a, a very uh, uh, important one for mm. uh, the community and um, and other other maintenance things and uh, awesome. Yeah, and I would like to start putting up some uh, small recorded projects, but I, I'm doing other projects as well. So
0: excellent. Yeah, speaking of which, um, so on your YouTube and social media recently you've been doing a meet the maker series, right? So, right. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah. So I I started out, uh, this type of interviewing process, uh, with, um, a good friend of mine, Gilles Nair who makes a a fantastic, uh, bow called the Tet Besh. And it's uh, a bow that, um, has a titanium head and titanium fixed frog. Yeah. And it has a, an adjuster that pulls the hair from the inside of the frog and it's uh, self rehairing. So you can get a bow maker that um, to make plugs and you can just put on the hair yourself whenever mm-hmm. you need one. So it's an yeah. all season yeah. bow because it's as it if the hair stretches, it's not going to you know make the, the, the frog pull over to the, the adjuster side. Mm-hmm. So it maintains a, a stability in all weather so whether it's dry or hot or if you go to the mountains or if you go to the tropics it'll be stable mm-hmm. um, and it's uh an in, in international traveling bow as well because it doesn't have any mat- uh, materials that are uh side ease or um yeah. that have uh regulations on them so far yeah yeah but anyways, yeah, so, so in regards to that, like basically uh, I started this interview series with uh, Gilles, um, but I never called it Meet the Maker. And then um, I have this video out. It's actually out. It's probably, it's posted on the, the Fine Strings uh, YouTube page mm-hmm. and there are links uh, um, up to that video. Um, I also did one with Victor Bernard as well as the first episode, which was of a luthier named Damien Rosensteel. And um, that just happened a couple weeks ago. And um, I have some other makers lined up to uh, doing this. And basically, it's kind of like what we're doing, getting to know each other uh, mm-hmm. and, and spread the, um, the word about what we do and, and to uh, inspire and let others know about the, the work that we do. And so uh, I ask uh, the, the makers uh, questions about their philosophy and about their uh, their own work, um, and because I have a lot of experience as a performing musician and um, commissioning instruments with these makers, it becomes a, a very active dialogue. And so, uh, it's I, I learn a lot from those. It's it's uh, quite uh, fun, and uh, I hope it it also enriches the community as well, and and gets those uh, to understand. Um, their own vocations and uh, and their own commitment and their life work. So absolutely, uh, yeah, I, I find that that um, luthiers are some of the most uh, uh, focused and uh, and uh, very in tune with uh, what they do. Super passionate about what they do, and have a lot of integrity. So um, it's to be respected. Oh uh, yeah and no matter what kind of pri- uh, no matter what kind of price point one you know tries to offer their their instruments it's uh, that everyone genuinely tries to put in their uh, best effort and uh, yeah I, I see that I see that within mm-hmm. uh, the, I see that within the trade.
0: I love the uh, I'm, I want to put up um, a picture in the uh, clip of uh, the Tet Besh bow. Because oh, it's so sure. bizarre looking, it's, uh, it, yeah. it's really it's fun it. to look at this thing. It looks kind of like this. Uh, um, it's like a steampunk <laughs> <laughs> art nouveau kind of uh, interpretation. Oh, yeah. of yeah, and we, it, it's I mean, it plays amazingly. So, um, as a musician, there's um, there is obviously no uh, no compromise in this design. In fact, it's it, in many ways yeah, it, it's I an, feel, it seems I know an improvement.
1: Uh, players um, uh, either love it or they uh, they they love or hate it but I mean I think <laughs> that um, it's very what bizarre I, looking the work that I've been doing though I, I feel like that the hate part of it has starting to change hmm. and so um, and and I think that that the the uh, the aspect of all of the things it offers um, it may start to change the the status quo about the traditional, uh, look of of bows, and mm-hmm. uh, I mean, all bows uh, are are made in the traditional way still. Yeah, but it offers a lot of uh, great functionality, and I still uh, support and respect um, the, the the design of the traditional bow.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, it's almost perfect. Mm-hmm. Except, I, I feel like that the, the pulling hair is uh, that's the only thing you know. But it mm-hmm. at, at the same time. It supports um, bow makers that rehair bows and maintain bows. Right. So right. I think that, that that's a worthy thing.
0: <laughs> that's true. That's so, true.
1: And also, yeah, many musicians don't know how to rehair or you know change the hair. It's a little more complicated. You need tools, yeah. um, and it's not like it's. I mean, if you think about like for oboists, they actually. Uh, make their own reeds and they make their, they do a lot of their own handiwork. Right. But uh, violinists uh, tend to not do that Uh, for whatever reason. It's just been the the status quo. (laughs) Right.
0: I, I, uh, after seeing and talking to oboists um, painstakingly uh, (laughs) lamenting their, their uh, reed constructing activities, this takes them so long. I think, uh, I think my limits are, I
1: I, spend a lot of time at the workbench, uh, uh, doing setups on instruments and I, yeah. I um, have done a lot of studies on that and I've gotten, gotten a lot of experience, but I wouldn't, uh, encourage that on, on musicians that, you know, aren't interested in going into trade for sure. Cause yeah. it's, there's a lot of, it's a whole nother world actually. Yeah. Uh, and um, for me, it's yeah, I've been able to, to understand and see both sides of that world. I don't think I would ever become a luthier, but uh, I can do setups and um, yeah. that's very uh, important and passion, it's a passion of mine because I can also enhance instruments. I don't do like recambers for bows, but I will do uh, certain setups for, for instruments. Mm-hmm. And, um, keeping those measurements in mind, and um, for things that I'm unfamiliar doing, I have uh, um, some trusted, uh, well-trained, and um, award-winning luthiers uh, assist with that and help, so I can make. You know, I, Bay French Church is a full-service shop.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you also I have don't the uh...
1: repairs, for example. I have a, a friend do that and do restorations for bows.
0: Yeah. But you also have the line, right? The The Bayfine Strings line of your own instruments.
1: Oh, yeah, there are. Yeah. And I, I have those uh, imported, uh, made for Bayfine Strings, uh, my own line uh, imported from China. Um, I know there's a, a, a flood of uh, Chinese instruments in the market, but they also offer uh, a good price point for an affordability for a lot of and have made uh, stringed instruments more accessible mm. uh, for the community. And um, I found that in that lower price bracket, I can, um, set up, uh, instruments, uh, very well and ready to go, um, better than I can with antiques that, um, I would have, I would have to find either secondhand or, uh, at, you know, uh, an auction block or something like yeah. that, where. Um, the, the measurements you'd have to put in a lot of work just to set up one instrument, and so that was uh something that was a little bit difficult for me to to kind of go grapple because I didn't have that kind of time to just work on individual ones. I would prefer yeah. to, to work on the higher end instruments or uh redo a setup for a master maker's instrument, for example. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like my time was more uh, served, better served uh, doing that rather than raising necks for... uh like a a factory instrument from the early 20th century. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah. Uh, yeah. Like investing in in my own line was a a, a great idea. And I offered like a premier line, which is the uh, entry level and rental line. Um, and they, they're, um, they're affordable. Uh, um, they, they start from 550 to 750 in price for everything, you know, violin bow, case, rosin, shoulder rest, microfiber cloth. Um, in the future, I might uh, offer a little bit of software or something like that. Not software, but maybe like some type of uh, tutorials, basic tutorials. Nice. They can su- subscribe and um, on the website and they can mm-hmm. see
0: videos. That's so, a idea.
1: So I think that that's something that, that's been a recent thing that I've wanted to do, but it's just a matter of time.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What would and you say to um? What would you say to musicians who are trying to work on their own projects about like even in just any of the things we've talked about? I think one of the things that sets you apart is kind of what you just talked about about obviously following your passion, but also your your sense of follow through. I think it's easy to talk about starting your own a uh, business or talk start about your own um, violin line or series, but you seem to have this ability to follow through. So I was wondering if you could just talk about Uh, it.
1: It takes a lot of uh, courage, I think. Uh, And just like doing a big move, you know, when you decide to do that, you just, you take leaps of faith, you know? And so I found that taking leaps of faith most of the time have paid off rather than not. So that's just been uh, whenever I've, I've felt like for myself that I put myself in a un, uh, an uncomfortable position that, that means I, I'm not, you know, uh, reckless about it. But mm-hmm. um, when I, whenever I've put myself in those uncomfortable, uncomfortable positions, I, I felt like I've grown from it. And know. so I've learned a lot. I've made mistakes and, um, but yet uh, life still goes on and, um, and we, we continue to try to do better mm-hmm.
0: and do better.
1: We can, so yeah, I, I think that that it's just like that when we uh, work on music, it's the same mm-hmm. way. So, right, we might have reservations about taking on that Paganini or taking on that uh, modern noob that modern piece or something like that, or mm-hmm. some other type of repertoire. That's a challenge, but as musicians, sometimes we take those challenges and we're like, oh, we have the time to invest in it. So, um. I found that, yeah, uh, that, that training as a, in music has, um, kind of taught me to, to, to kind of work in that way. So, um, but although I, I find that there are lots of projects on the, in, in the works that frankly, it's, it's hard to, to find time to actually, you know, put everything together. Yeah. There's, uh, uh, a project on Galliano's that I'm working on and, it's uh, because of uh, various things uh, needs that come up um, through the shop it's hard to focus and just put that time the other thing kind of takes precedence first and so and serving needs of customers but um, I have these projects that that are um, a lot of the content is already there yeah and that we I, I want to put forth and forward and I know that we've done some uh, projects together and yep. perhaps we'll f- follow up on it but you know it's, yeah uh it's always uh on, on my mind and uh i know that um we have to still serve uh you know our basic needs at the time at yeah with the task at hand so to speak yeah
0: <laughs> that's a good observation i think it's also um especially for creative people people in the arts um a lot of the times speaking for myself the problem is not the lack of ideas, but it's like the volume of ideas. You know, it's like, there's a lot of things that are exciting, a lot of things that are possible. So then you want to, um, you know, you get wanting to know how to get into it. Yeah. And then you have this limited, it's like,
1: you know, and and then you see like those that are also musicians that get into uh, arts administration.
0: For example,
1: I've seen a lot of my friends and colleagues go into that route or, go into um, librarian work or other types of work um, that are related to music.
0: And the challenge is to the challenge is to basically choose the highest value thing for that moment because you can have 50 different ideas but if you don't do any of them I mean that's why I started this podcast it was one among many ideas that sounded great for me to do since I had a little extra corona time
1: (laughs) And you you have control of what what you do and you know who you whom you uh yeah choose to to work on work work with you on your platform so
0: yeah yeah Yeah. and it's i think for me i aside from my teaching and aside from my performing activities i i knew i wanted to do this at some point so i just had to eventually make the choice to to start it and it's going great the response has been Good so far. Maybe you'll start um, to get
1: prototypes or something like that. Well, you'll review other stuff, like review gear or something like that. Who knows? Right? <laughs> mm, mm, <laughs> cool. Yeah. I get on the phone or something like that. <laughs> that's cool. Let me know. Cool. <laughs> I'm happy to let you know, like people that I know that are in, in that. They might be able to sponsor uh, certain aspects of what you do. That would
0: be fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I. That's great. the The possibilities are endless, and you know, yeah, you, I mean, you don't.
1: Not, not, not the that's not the point, but I mean the yeah that is, that's something that can you know continue to help grow your platform, uh, to yeah. enrich the community. Um, I think uh, a lot of uh, folks are using Patreon. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether I think they're using that as a, a way to yeah have support, but one can still do that through their own platform to have support, like a subscriber base, for example. Yeah. But it mm-hmm. just offers like, it's almost like a, a third party way of just, you know, they take a small cut, but at the same time, it makes it easier for those that don't have something set up to yep. to be supported.
0: It's true. And so, um,
1: yeah, I, mean, I think... Yeah, that could be something that one, one does uh, with, with the podcast, you know, as, yeah, as, yeah. as your base grows. And so... Yep. Yeah.
0: I think the yeah. you think that I'm trying to establish and, you know, I've I've had Patreon and... Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. The, um, the, uh, thing that I'm trying to establish is, um, the ability to make content that in like the, how you talk about with your shop, where you're, you're trying to do something that serves people and, and has a uh, connection to the community. What I'd like to do with this podcast is provide conversations with people that people find entertaining people find useful people find helpful enough to actually want to listen and share oh, yeah. and spread. And you know, it's, it's a, it, that's, that's why I have you on today. It's, I, I think you're a, an example of someone who's, um, who's really taking your own initiative to be creative and be entrepreneurial. And you've really taken charge and you've provided, you've created something that is of value to many people. So I, I applaud you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and, oh. um, <laughs> yeah and uh so i don't know how, how exactly we're going to do this but i do want to um i do want to briefly uh address our our long uh awaited <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I actually uh, had i had some friends ask me because I, <laughs> I i talked yeah i talked um we're at the time me. of this project yeah I, I leaked it a little bit the million dollar duo and um and yeah, so friends have been asking me whatever happened to that project, and it's like, okay, well, <laughs> um, so yeah, we're we're going to release probably as part of this podcast, or maybe con- uh, in conjunction with this podcast, a video of us playing uh, Bach double concerto on two um, uh, two instruments worth more than a million dollars, and um, and that's one of the great um, honors of your uh, your shop is that you have the um, privilege to work with uh, brokers and dealers on the finest of fine instruments. And uh, we both thought it would be a great idea to create a, a series called Million Dollar Duo where we play on the best of instruments and and talk about it. Um, so we're gonna try to pr- provide the performance at least of these things and and uh, yeah, it's, and it's maybe cool. even just release our first uh... episode.
1: Yeah. It's an instrument that, that was, uh, um, a Guarneri composite as well as a uh, Guadagnini. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, some very fine, fun instruments to play on.
0: Yeah. That was, uh, that was a trip hanging on to a Guarneri for a couple weeks and, and learning it and playing it. That was, that was a dream. And, uh, playing, playing with the, and, and hearing you on the Guadagnini, uh, was, was great as well. And, uh, I think that was that's a similar example to what we were just talking about of of choosing our projects. I think it that was a, more than a year ago we recorded it. Um oh yeah, 2019, right? Yeah, yeah, a year ago. Yeah, probably. And and it was um it was good. We we had a crew and we we filmed it and it was a really good learning experience up like
1: what three, three or four a.m. or something like that <laughs> yeah We're we like
0: got donuts we got donuts at like <laughs> 3 a.m. after the shoot and uh no it's i and we never released it i think because we um i don't know why why do you think i think, I it, think was, it was a lack of um
1: the, the whole team uh compiling things together it was a little bit yeah. scattered um we were able to streamline it yeah i mean that's how projects are sometimes if you're able to to have uh um multiple uh parties uh come like like uh, put things together quickly or even respond quickly i think that's super important i've always been the the kind of person that responds very quickly i mean you know uh when you send texts or something i'm very quick about it yeah Uh, even though yeah uh I get lots of calls or, or texts, yeah. and emails. I'm pretty quick to respond. I pr- pretty much address everything um, yeah. as much as I can. Otherwise, yeah, then I would be known as an unreliable person, and I don't right. want to be that. So,
0: right, right, right. Yeah. So it's it was a really interesting um, thing, and I think it was you know this format for um, this format for podcasting. I think is. Suited to casual conversation, suited to following the flow of talk as it goes. But then I think creating that video, we learned that in order to create like a YouTube, uh, just quick, snappy, to the point kind of video, you really have to script it out yeah, and it, second, by second. Then, uh, to make sure
1: you understand uh, those types of things. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, created a whole generation of uh, DIY uh, yeah. type. Uh, media uh, moguls,
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know what's funny is ever and since now,
1: now now consumer I mean consumer companies are catering to that because that's yeah. where it is. I mean we know, yeah, um,
0: yeah. it's true. And uh, ever since we filmed the uh, million dollar duo, it's so funny because I've seen so many uh, similar ideas of uh, whether it's two set or. Even soloists will put out videos of like one dollar yeah, right. violin versus fifty million. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like, oh, exactly. Okay. There's a market for this, but um, yeah. Hey, I, I mean, I will. will we'll, I would like to release it as it stands and and just see where it could take us. But
1: oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think also that kind of platform can it'll uh, th- there'll be other ways to to use that platform not only just for that kind of purpose. It's just yeah. a, a a name so for sure
0: (laughs) yeah it was fun and it'll be good to uh to revisit that and and uh um yeah again see what the possibilities are you know you never know what the possibilities are when you start something but if you have the passion and the right reasons then anything is possible for sure for sure so well Thank you so much. Did, did you have anything else you wanted to plug, or anything else you uh, are burning?
1: Covered a lot of uh, things. I'm happy, <laughs> to, you know, see, uh, do a, a future podcast. I'm sure. Yes,
0: we'll have uh, to have you back.
1: Uh, can cover <laughs> that we have yes. it. Maybe do an MDD one or something like that. That'd
0: be great. That'd be great. I think sure. that but it might be f- a fun integration to, you know, figure out a way of doing the quicker content for mdd but then we can even spend longer and break down and talk about the instruments in a more fluid way on podcast that might be a good way to break it down but anyway we'll we'll discuss more (laughs) Uh cool all right well thank you so much thomas is always a pleasure Yep, it was a pleasure all right thank you have a great day